Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I am joined here by our co-hosts and stars of the show today. We're without our main star, Kevin Kern. The AMBS is out today, but this is Coach and Kern, episode 325. Joining us today, Will George, who's a co-host and star of a Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, which will be up on Friday this week, as well as Sal Marinello, the star of the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, also on Friday. We have a triple header Friday this week again. But uh, before we bring these guys on, just want to thank our 53,000-plus, approaching 54,000 today. Subscribers, thanks for your support. Keep plugging us. iHeartRadio is understanding that they made the right choice, adding our podcast network to their already uh, powerful stream. Want to thank the 74 countries, faithful followers. No matter what's going on in the world, they always tune in to Real Voice of the Game. So uh, we get a lot of good feedback on social. And guys, thanks so much for joining us. We're coming to the end of the championship series now. We got one game to go with Philly uh, tonight against Arizona. Uh, obviously, Texas closed it out last night against Houston. Um, so I want to welcome you back and kind of get your thoughts on it. We, I, I know we talked earlier, Will, about egoless hitting, but before we get into that, just welcome back, Will and Sal. Great to be Great here. Great to be back, guys. And, uh, uh, get well wishes for uh, Mrs. Ams uh, and Kiernan today and uh, keep her in our prayers uh, that everything worked out good with her oral surgery. So, and we miss you, Kev. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get going guys. It'll be great. Yep. We'll try to pick up the slack here with our, with our star out today, but uh, we, 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 you know, we're all tuned in. We're texting back and forth during the games and, well, you brought up a, a great point. I want to get both your opinions on it. It seems like the teams that have egoless at bats, and this is something you observed, uh, tend to have not just the short-term game success, but long-term success. And you've had personal experiences with that yourself as a champion. Yeah, I, you know, uh, Mark Wiley and I have talked about this a lot, and uh, you know, I've gotten uh, a World Series ring in '97 with the Marlins and a National League Championship ring with the Rockies with when we went on that 21 to 22 run that got us into the world series. And uh, we, both of those teams our hitters uh, were good major league hitters who left their ego in the clubhouse, in the dugout or whatever. And when they went to the plate, they never gave away in a bat. They took a walk when people were pitching around them. They didn't chase bad pitches they didn't swing out of their ass trying to hit a three-run homer every time they walked to the plate, and they kept the line moving. And I uh, think John Smoltz talked a little bit about it after early in the series. Texas had a big win where they had a bunch of hits, you know, in the first inning, and they put up four runs. There wasn't any home runs. Uh, and then the Astros did the same thing in Texas the one day. Uh, where they just had a bunch of hits and a bunch of good at-bats. And that just wears you down. That wears down the pitcher, wears down the other team. And I think John Smoltz said that, you know, he had had a conversation with Dusty Baker, and he said, you know, you know, the reason we won a World Series last year is we had egoless at-bats. And uh, there was a social media post today where Dusty was kind of sounding off, and, you know, he said he, you know, you know, he gets tired of seeing the young players today that sit on their ass, you know, looking at the iPad, worrying about exit velocity and launch angle. And he said, you know, give me some base hit velocity and I don't care how it's launched, but let's put together a bunch of base hits. And when you do that, you put up a crooked number on the board when there's base runners on 
things start to happen. People are moving. Uh, the other team has to execute more defensively than having a high pop out or a strikeout, and that's it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I agree. That pressure having that guy on base is is uh, pitchers got to pay attention to it. Guys got to hold runners on. It opens up angles. People yeah. have to think about more than one thing. And I agree. So you, I know you were watching the game with a buddy last night when you text me. What and and we'll chime in on this too. I I noticed uh, Turner didn't look the same last night. And when we're look, when we're going yeah. across the, the pond there, but I guess bring it back to Texas. We're in Texas and Houston. Seager's approach is phenomenal right now. Oh yeah, they the last night I thought Seager and uh, Garcia and Jung and a lot of those guys they just cut their swings down. You know they weren't they weren't trying to do too much. They were short and quick to the ball. These players are big and strong. They generate a lot of bat speed. The ball does carry in these ballparks, and you know they they just had good at bats. You know they weren't falling down. They weren't out of bounds. Um, and then on the other side, you know, I thought that the last couple, last few games, Philadelphia, after scoring all those runs early in the first couple games, their guys got got a little bit too selfish. You know, they're not staying in the middle of the field. There's, uh, with the exception of Marsh, uh, right now there's uh, not a lot of guys in that lineup that are that are taking what people will give them. So, yeah. but go ahead, Sal. Well, I had a couple of questions more than I had comments. I just obviously don't have that eye that you that you guys have. But what I thought, a couple of things were interesting or thought I had was uh, with regard to the Phillies when sometimes, I don't know about this, I, I think sometimes in football when a team gets an early emotional touchdown, uh, sometimes that kind of throws them off and they're never back, they're never that great the rest of the game. Sometimes they fizzle. Uh, and maybe this is a different kind of thing, but when the Phillies hit those early home runs, does that, you know, maybe get them off the focus uh, to have better at bats and do things that you might need to do in different situations uh, to be successful? As you said, uh, Texas has done. It, it, does that some do those home runs sometimes get guys off of their focus? Yeah, I, you know, for 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 me, I'll I'll go first because it's funny, Sal. You know, my son, you know, we grew up in the Philadelphia area. He's a Phillies fan. And, you know, before this series, I said, don't go to sleep on the Diamondbacks. It's a really good team. They're a lot better than most people know or think. But if the Phillies punch them in the mouth early, they have a chance to put them away. And the Diamondbacks have shown so much character because they punched them in the mouth hard in Philadelphia but Arizona went home and they didn't quit and they and and now they've gotten back to their game last night where they're not scared to steal bases they're not scared to do things and uh this is going to be a tough game you know and if the Phillies are going to win which i think they can they can win they they better not bring their egos to the plate they better go out and have good at bats like they're capable of doing and like they've done in some of the early series. Um, but yeah, they, it certainly, um, you know, the one good, one thing, Sal, these, the four final teams were really good teams and they don't have a bunch of quitters. Right. I think they've shown that. And the fact that Texas did what they did going into Houston, which, you know, in Vegas, if anybody was betting Texas after the three, 
three wins in Houston, Houston had in Texas uh, over the weekend, uh, they probably would have made a lot of money because I'm sure the odds had have changed. And, you know, the same thing with Arizona, you know, coming back and taking this to a game seven right now shows a lot of character and why these four teams are where they are. So and my other question was, what was your thought on Scherzer starting that game and then taking him out when they did? And what do you think that means going forward for them with him in the World Series? Um, for me, Scherzer, uh, uh, his stuff is, is fine right now. Okay. And I think uh, the fact that he's had these two starts that he's knocking some of the rust off. And I think he went out and gave it all he had but he knew that Bruce Bochy was going to manage that game as masterfully as he did, like he did when he brought uh, Madison Bumgarner in to win World Series Game 7s and Playoff Series Game 7s back with the Giants. He, he knows his team. Uh, can't say more about what being in the game and having the wisdom that he has and having the leadership never panicking and watching the game and making the right moves with your gut, not with analytics, with your gut. So, so I, so basically then using Scherzer was if he does well, great. If he's a little shaky, we still have faith in him and we're going to, he's going to be part of what they're doing. So basically that, so, okay. That, I mean, where do you see, what other sport do you see that? That's a, that's an amazing amount of faith to have in in a, in a, in an athlete. You know, it, it, it's the beauty of baseball for me is the chess game. Um, I think that they were looking, you know, just like, you know, you saw right from the beginning, Arizona and Merrill Kelly was, were not going to let Schwarber or Harbor, Harbor beat them. So they walked them because he knew he was going to make pitches and get some of those other guys to go out of their approach and that those two guys weren't going to beat him. Yeah. Um, it was like uh, the Phillies did with Olsen. The, Olsen was the guy they weren't going to let beat them. And they did a good job of that. And I think that last night uh, – Bochy went into that game and figured if he could get six innings with Scherzer and Montgomery, then he had a pathway to the end with Sabors, LeClerc, and Chapman. Match yeah. them guys up properly. He had to piece that together. I've got a question for both you guys about Kelly, but I, I want to answer your question too, Sal. With you had asked about uh, the uh, with the team psychologically coming out hitting home runs, does that change their Coach, I think with with uh, we, I think we were all texting back when Philly jumped down in Arizona, and Will made a great point about that had to be a strategy, punching them in the mouth right away and knocking them back. But with a guy like Schwarber and Harper, that's part of their game. I think them hitting home runs, they've been able to hit home runs and go back to, although Schwarber's going to hit the way he hits, but go back to hitting regular. And I liken it to um, the psychology we, we use that in basketball. Sometimes you you, you don't play a bad shooter. And sometimes the best thing that can happen to you defensively is that bad shooter hits their first three. Now you're like, oh, boy, that son of a bitch is going to keep shooting that thing all game long. Thank yeah. God. Um, so yeah. it's kind of like, I get what your point is um, with that. With um, with with uh, Merrill Kelly, now, he got a quick hook last yeah. night. We, I was surprised with that. We, I mean, he because he, he mowed down the middle of the line. Now, it worked out well for him. 
But were you surprised with that all? Either one of you guys watching that? He, I mean, he and he fought him in the dugout. He did not want to come out. He went to go shake his hand, and he smacked his hand away. He didn't want to come out. I I, I was surprised he didn't go one more inning with him. Um, he he pitched his ass off. Um, I think somebody made a comment during the during this series. Uh, Might have been Ron Darling, where Tori Lovello said, "You know, I'm doing things." And I'm a lifelong baseball fan and whatever that I think might not be the right thing to do, which, you know, was a nice way of saying that the analytics run what they do over there a lot more maybe than like I think Bochy and Baker have a lot more leash uh, uh, to do what they want to do as opposed to I think Torrey's got to follow a little bit of a game plan and Brett Strom, Brett Strom is, is very analytically savvy. You know, maybe they really liked the, the, the matchups with that low angle guy that came in Thompson. Yeah. And, uh, I think they thought that, that, that two, one, one, and if they had to leave after five, that was going to, I was going to put them in a good place. You know, maybe uh, the data, which I haven't looked at, that Kelly may not have good numbers third time through an order. So, you know, those could have been their reasons. Yeah. And I'm, again, when I'm sitting on my couch, I was thinking bullpen. Like if they could get the further he goes in the game, the more their bullpen's rested for game seven when it's all all hands on deck. But again, that's but I, I like I like what you're saying about the the way he's commenting about analytics, but also the the commentators for the first time did not champion and didn't play cheerleader to the analytics. They actually challenged the decision. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I love. It, it's, yeah. it's starting to swing back. Well, I know. think they set the tone with that in their uh, in the pregame show I've seen with uh, all three, Jeter, A-Rod, and, and uh, Big Poppy, all kind of have been harping on that throughout. You know, in, in the and I usually don't watch a lot of pregame but I just thought that was an interesting dynamic and wanted to see what they had to say. And I was struck, struck by how from one of the – I think the first thing Jeter and A-Rod have both said were basically – and could be not could be taken as, but were anti-analytics. They uh, – yeah, A-Rod's been very vocal. Jeter's very um, – how would you say? Cautious. Cautious, yeah. He's, he's guarded. He's, he's diplomatic. Scripted. Yeah, but he's been uh, – he yeah, poppy and – you get the one I like when you throw Pager out there. He don't care. He'll, he'll throw an expletive in the middle well, of it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, and I've been saying this for a while, is our our stars who truly love this game and built this game to where it is need to speak up and, and, and tell the truth. Uh, and hopefully the owners listen to this and hopefully uh, the front offices listen and, and realize that there's still value in the wisdom of the game. These players are tremendous players. Um, play the game the right way, and this game would be in an unbelievably even better place than where it is right now. Yeah. Hey, how, how do you account for the Rangers' road success? They, they're undefeated on the road. I, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just think it's a really resilient team. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I know that, uh, you know, Guys used to like to go on the road because when you're on the road, you don't have to get up in the morning with the kids. The, the, you know, a lot of these guys are married. Their kids are starting school. You know, when you're on the road, you just hang out with your teammates. You know, you 
you you pull yourselves together a little bit more. You get to the park maybe a little bit earlier when you're on the road because there's nothing to do in the hotel room uh, as opposed to when you're playing at home, you know, you're home with your wife and your, your kids and whatever. You maybe get there a little bit longer. You know, maybe there's something you had to do around your house. These guys are rich enough that you'll probably all have houseboys and chefs and stuff. So they don't have to worry about that stuff. But, you know, I, I, you know, it is what it is. You know, the same thing with the Astros, you know, the Astros, their home record was atrocious this year and their road record. They were like 23 games over 500. It was like, it was incredible. So are you, Sal, are you noticing anything? I know you've got a football background as well. You know, certain things travel well on the road, running game, you know, sound defense, block, tackle, the fundamentals. Are you noticing anything that's traveling well with, with Texas? Well, I don't know. I don't think it it really is relatable to football because the nature of the series and you're in a place for more, you know, football, it's the weekend and it's not like you're away for a period of time. So I, I can't speak to that. My, sen- my sense is maybe guys just get more locked in, as Will said, you have fewer distractions than you will at home. I've mentioned this on another show. I don't know if it was our show, Dave, or with the roundtable, but in one of my coaching conferences that I used to go to every year, it was the Gain Conference by Vern Gambetta. And uh, it, what was nice about it, it was dominated. I wouldn't say it was not dominated by American football, which is what happens when you go to most conditioning, anything to do with prep. In this in the states, it's it's football dominant. Even if they don't think it is, it is. Yeah. This this uh, conference was dominated by international uh, coaches, and it was a lot of soccer, rugby, Australian rules, football, the non traditional sports, and track and field has a very strong role here. And what I learned from the Australian guys is their rugby and Australian rules football. They they have their guys. Uh, housed during the week on, and I forget which key days they are, but they've identified the key days that they needed to prep them and make sure they were well fed and rested. And they slept together as a team in their team facility. And then they would go home, you know, post game. And then I'm not sure where it was in the week they went home again, but for the key days they had identified and and they found that their injury rates had got, had improved and their performance improved. So I don't know, maybe in a weird way, being away from home and in a hotel. And like Will said, the the uh, opportunity is to go to the park, not to be distracted by your kids or wherever is at home. That That is now translating the more distracted we are as a society. Maybe that's uh, becoming more of a benefit is to be on the road. Yeah, damn kids costing the home games. Blame it uh, on the kids. You know, well, and, and the other thing, too, during the playoffs and World Series and you know, every person you know that's on your phone is text. Hey, can you get tickets? You know, you 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 just got a lot of crap that uh, that I think when you're on the road, it's like you know, get up, have some breakfast with a bunch of the guys. You sit and talk and have coffee, maybe watch some video, do a little bit of prep in your room, and then you go to the ballpark at one o'clock. And you yeah. hang out with all the guys that you're going to war with that night. You know, college but, football does that for home games. They, they'll travel away, the big programs, on a Tuesday night for a Saturday game. And they'll sleep in a hotel and do what you're saying, um, treat it like a road game, which is kind of kind of different to get them away from that distraction of the campus and, and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. Probably something to that. Well, I, uh, 
I didn't want to segue to college football yet, but I, uh, what, what, what do you guys, what's your take on the Abreu Garcia situation where Baker got tossed? He, he pimped the homer. We did see Altuve hit a homer, put his head down, ran around the bases. Garcia pimped it. He did pimp a single the other night too, hit one off the top of the wall. Yeah. And, uh, and then next that back got, got plugged right in the back. Guy got, Abreu got tossed. Baker got tossed two game suspension, which I'm glad MLB decided not to deal with that till next season. Cause that would have been terrible if Houston did move on. But what, what were your thoughts on that s- scenario? Uh, go ahead, Sal. You go first on this one. Uh, I, I don't really have an To be honest with you, I don't have an opinion. I think uh, aside from the, the the decision not to affect adversely affect the playoff series, I think while my first impression was, well, no, you should be suspended. But in 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 regard to how much impact that had, I, I – it, I would think it was probably the better move to do. What do you mean, to hit him or to not no, deal with it? To, to deal with it next next season. Oh, yeah. That would have been silly, I think, anyway. But uh, what were your thoughts, Will? I, 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 for me, I thought that uh, Bochy's comments were really well received, on my, on my opinion, that he said that, uh, you know, the umpires let it go on so long that it took the flow of the game away. You know, uh, the stuff happened. They, you get them separated. You figure out who's going to go. What was it? It was a well over a 20-minute delay, which took some of the momentum out of the game and some of the focus out of the game. A bunch of people get pissed off. You know, it happens. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't like guys pimping stuff but it's part of this generation. Um, but you know what? If you're going to pimp, you know, then somebody's, somebody's going to get pissed off on the other side and come up and in and make you uncomfortable too and let you know that that's not acceptable. So, uh, you know, you can't have a fight every time somebody comes up and in on you and hits you after you embarrass them. That's <laughs> I, I like I I didn't. That's the part I didn't like that you mentioned. The Bochi said about just the delay in the game and how much it it became such a big deal. I would have loved it if okay, he pimped it. That's fine. That was his choice. Abreu hit him. That's fine. That was his choice. Just go to first and, and warn, play. Warn, warning both sides. Get the umpires active and keeping the players off the field and go. Hey, this is game game whatever of the playoffs, man. Get your ass back and let's play the game. You know, I don't know if they need harder, faster rules because I know I believe it was the NBA when they were starting to have some issues. College basketball, if you come off the bench, you're gone. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you have to maybe have a little more less leeway in these penalties and make it a little more well known. Like they do that in most other sports. You know, there's that whole concept of the unwritten rules of baseball, which I think sometimes are nonsensical and create problems, especially when you get to these kinds of circumstances. So maybe if they just had a more de- definitive penalty yeah. structure and, and yeah. didn't allow that stuff to happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you draw the line in the sand and you tell them you're not allowed to cross it or else you're done, then I guys mean, a guy running out of the bullpen that, you know, I don't, I don't know how they look at that, but that should be one of those things immediately there should be no one running in from the bullpen or no one that – now, I understand that if it's the team at bat and you've got the other team is out there 
and you know it's one against nine, then you're in trouble. But there still has to be some line drawn, like you said, at that yeah. at, to minimize that time sink. Yeah. How much of that is the umpire's decision? You think to to toss? Do you think that's being legislated as well? I you know I I, I don't think they handle it well because there's not a whole lot of brawls. Um, I only had one in the minor leagues this year. I didn't have any in the big leagues. Uh, you know, the players aren't as competitive. Yeah. Well, you get to this level where the comp- the competitiveness comes out. You know, I had one brawl where the umpires did a horrible job. When it ended up on social media, it was the one in with Tampa and Clearwater down in the Florida State League. Orion Kirkering was on the Clearwater team. At the time, and uh, the the brawl was was really not very good. The umpires did not do a good job. The one coach came out, and he went after one of the players, and then the manager came down and punched the coach in the face. Oh yeah, I saw that's right. And the benches ended up clearing. The manager got suspended for thirty days, um, and the umpires were on the phone to the league president. They wanted to cancel the game. They lost control of the game completely. What's was that the team? Was that the one had a female manager? Yes, yes. It was the Tampa Yankees team versus the Phillies team. And That's the right. Phillies team were, you know, they got hit. They got they were aggressive and they they kind of kicked the shit out of the, the Tampa players. The players were scared. Yeah. It wasn't good. Sal, kind of to your point, I know it delays the game, but Will, you can speak to this as well. When something like that goes on, <clears throat> if you don't exit the dugout, at least moving in the direction of the action or the bullpen, you're going to catch some some crap later oh, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you have to protect your teammates, and that's just no. I get that. Wrong. I mean, I get. I mean, that. you know, I, I I got charged and ended up on the bottom of a pile. I didn't hit a guy on purpose, but it looked like I did. Uh, he was a big old left-handed hitter, and I, the left-handed pitcher, I was a little bit late on my release point. It came up and in and hit him in the shoulder and he charged and he was laying on top of me and there were about 20 other guys and I was laying on the bottom and he said, just stay here. Well, <laughs> I go, I, go I, I ain't going nowhere. I can tell you. I was, I was like, uh, I was, uh, like Travis Kelsey at the bottom of the tush push for the uh, Eagles. Well, I've got that on my list to, to, to chat about today too, but with, the uh, with the, one last thing with these guys, with a uh, Abreu hit Garber last night in the ribs with a 98 mile an hour fastball. That didn't look like it was intentional, but there was no sparks. Uh, yeah. Either dugout moved and it kind of, yeah. um, they just kind of moved on once he caught his breath. That got him square. Yeah. Well, and then Chapman threw the ball behind McCormick in the ninth and hit him in the back of his knee. Man, oh man, that hurt me just watching it. <laughs> so, what's well, up? also how the guy who gets hit responds i mean yeah right i mean the guy those i give guy i give the guy it got hit in the ribs give him credit maybe he was too winded or in pain to do anything but you know he handled it and 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 again when he got hit in the back of the hamstring there he looked like mccormick i think right it was mccormick was that the name yeah yeah he he, you know would really look like he was having a hard time getting up but you know he made no aggressive move and that has to do a lot to to keep the tempers down. Well, and and the other thing, 
Garver's smart because you let a sleeping dog lie, you know. You know, you you you, know, you got a dog that's asleep and you're beating them 10 to 3 or whatever. Why why fire them up by charging the mound? Or get somebody suspended for the World Series. You, you, you know, there were so many cases, you know, old school managers that would go out and get thrown out of a game to fire their team up, you know, where you – where you try to wake up the sleeping dog, you're losing five to one. It's a close call. You go, you know, I had managers that go, that's it. I'm out of here guys, but uh, wake your ass up and go beat these guys today or whatever, you know? So. Hey, um, we've got two players I want to ask you guys about. I know Altuve's had a lot of success in the postseason. I posted uh, something on Facebook the other day, had Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, had Derek Jeter, Mr. November with the stats. Now Tuve's played a, you know, a ton more games than Reggie and even more than Jeter. But uh, what would you put by his name, Mr. What? Uh, I would say uh, Mr. Consistency. You know, uh, I, for me, he's such a great story. He's a kid that kept going back to tryout camps and they kept telling him he was too small and they finally signed him. And look at the career he's had. And he's tiny. I mean, he really – yeah, he's literally five feet six, but what a great career he's had. You know, maybe borderline Hall of Fame. I probably Hall of Fame. It's, yeah, when it's numbers, all done. numbers stacking up. Uh, you know, played on a winner that you know bought seven straight ACLS championships, uh, uh, two World Series championships, and it's not over yet. I mean, and he still still comes to play. You know, he came back from that injury this year and. Didn't have a great year, but he had a, he had a good playoff series for them. Yeah, well, he was hitting. What about you, Sal? I would say tenacious because of all the things he does, what he had to overcome. That you know, whatever it seems to me, the situation, whatever the situation calls for, you could kind of think he's going to be that selfless player, Will, that you were talking about, mm-hmm. and and do what's needed to be done. So I, I yeah. that's a, I think that's a complimentary phrase oh, and a yeah. word, and I would. You know, it encompasses a lot too. No, that's a good. Damn strong. Point. He's so damn strong for a small guy too. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I love the way he plays. When he gets in that rhythm at the plate, you can kind of see uh, they've got no shot at there. He's got as much power as anybody. Yeah, yeah. For a look, for a guy his size, and you know, he, even now he still can steal bases. He's a good defender. Uh, he plays hard. He plays a game with a smile on his face. You can tell he loves to play the game. Yeah, good good glove man too. What about Kyle Schwarber now? If he if he hits five hundred home runs and he's only batting two hundred, is he going in the Hall of Fame? Uh for me, he's with Dave Kingman and some of the other guys that hit a bunch of home runs, struck out a lot. Um but five hundred's that magic marker. That's yeah, that. you know, you tip your hat to him and for me, uh well you know, the one thing we'll have to examine, if he keeps playing on teams that go to the World Series, then maybe he does. Because, you know, to me, he does bring uh, more value than just home runs and runs scored and RBIs and on-base percentage that the analytic people. His bigger value is his personality as a teammate and who he is and what he comes and does every day. Uh, he plays the game the right way. He's got leadership qualities, which, 
we live in a world where we we're dying for leadership and he brings it every day. Yeah. How about you, Sal? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a couple of things you have to look at. I think, and I, we've talked about this, this uh, baseball trivia game and it's called the uh, immaculate grid. You look at some of these benchmarks that we were familiar with players breaking that I don't think you're going to see broken again by many guys, whether it's the 300 wins, whether it's 3,000 hits. So I think it's still a, a reach for him. He's got uh, 200 – he doesn't have 250 home runs yet, and he's, he's, uh, he's 30. So, I mean, he could go on a tear, I guess, and it's possible. But you have to also view these guys' accomplishments, I guess, in context of what's going on in the game around them. So – while I might not think he would be a Hall of Famer if his if his batting average is 200 and he's hit 500, I wouldn't be I would not be surprised at all if he did get in. So I don't know if that's as good of an answer, but yeah, no, yeah. no, you're right because I mean a lot of the uh, a lot of the newer writers, um, you know, don't believe batting average means anything. So that negative that we all look at and go, gosh, he hit under 200, holy shit. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter to them. They'll, they'll come up with some war or Babib or OB, OBX or something, you know, some, some obscure number that they keep developing to create the players that they like and tell us that they're really good. But no, I mean, he, he, he brings a lot to the table. But you know what, you know, if you look at like, I'm a big, I love looking at stats because I don't have time to watch games as much as I used to. And uh, the uh, ability to go in and look at stats and seeing what they've done. And, and you look at his achievements so far, and he's really only led the league in a couple of categories, home runs once and strikeouts twice. Right. So I think the argument for 500 is you could say, well, there's all kinds of benchmarks and all kinds of endeavors that just because you meet one of them doesn't make you an automatic. And I, I don't think anyone envisioned 15 years ago we'd be sitting here and Will would say sports writers don't think batting average means anything. I, I don't think that was ever probably contemplated. No. So the fact well, that that's, that's bizarre and it changes everything, but again, it doesn't mean he is a Hall of Famer if he were to hit 500. And something I just thought of, Dave, all those 500 home run club guys, I don't know if any of them hit under 260 in their career. Yeah, I was just pulling that up. I think maybe uh, Reggie Jackson could be the lowest batting average guy on that list Yeah, for, for five. And there's about there's 26 guys, I think, right now, and the names are – Obviously, they're Hall of Famers, except for Rafi, Rafi Palmero, A-Rod, and Bonds, I think, are the three. But yeah, and the other part that, that uh, you'd want to take a look at, too, is he doesn't really play a defensive position anymore. No. you got to compare him to guys like Edgar, and I guess Poppy would be considered that way as well. Um, but no, it's fair. Someone threw it out the other night, and it made me think for a second. When I have to think for a second, it's I usually uh, cause debate, but 500 homers – I'd say if he hit six, I'm all for it, but I, I can't get off the batting average. That's did, the point that bothers me. Did, did Poppy get 500? I think he's just a shade over. I'll have to pull it up here. Okay. He's 541. Okay. Yeah, but he was also a good hitter. I mean, he was, you know, upper 280s, I think, almost every year. And that 
he was a tough out always. Oh, McGuire's on McGuire's Sosa, obviously, on those lists. So, but um, well, uh, we'll go one more baseball thing, unless you guys got another before we move on to some football. But Mickey Mantle's childhood house is for sale. I don't know if you guys saw that. He, uh, they're selling it off in parts, almost like a racehorse, where you can buy a percentage of it. Have you guys seen that? Anybody interested? No, I have not. It, it, in Oklahoma. Yeah, his childhood home is up for sale. Um, this was a. I'll give credit to, to my my scratch. Uh, my crack researcher Tanner, he pulled it out. He wanted to know. If, well, he pulled it out because he wanted us to invest in it. So, got to check out the pricing of it. But this house is for sale. They're selling it in pieces, so many people can own a piece of the historic childhood home that we saw in the uh, that wonderful book that uh, that we had on with uh, earlier on in the year, where they had all that the, the right. Route sixty six where they traveled. Yeah, yeah. But, now, uh, uh, Sal, you may want to look into it. The taxes are much lower in Oklahoma than New Jersey. Yeah, but you know what the the downside is? You, you, what? I don't. I'm not going to say it. But yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough neighborhood change for me. You know, I, I don't. And I don't know if the the move is worth the the whether I would have to be a big improvement to move that way. Uh, you're not going to get any good Italian bread and pizza in Oklahoma. That's true think. too. That's a, even a better point. <laughs> yeah. That's the first time I've ever seen something like that before where no. yeah, a, a celebrity's home, at least in the sports realm, is sold off. I'm surprised Billy Crystal didn't buy it. Yeah, that's right. He That's his hero. Yeah. Somebody will swoop in. But yeah, that was, I thought that was interesting. I was thinking that could be our first investment as a network maybe by 1% of Mickey Mantle's home. I don't know what we'll get. Well, you guys, you guys, uh, did you get some college football in at all this past Saturday? Uh, I Always. did. I was I was visiting in Texas and right. uh, Dante's birthday. I well, and I I got the tour of Win Reality. Holy mackerel! I got to tell you guys about that place. So, but uh, no, let's go college football, and I could tie that up at the end. Yeah. What? Uh. What? I, any thoughts on the Michigan saga, Sal? With I know Harbaugh's back in the news. They 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 won big again against Michigan State, crushed them. But uh, there is now a new NCAA penalty out there, potentially with um, live scouting opponents. Yeah, I read something today. They have a paper trail of uh, the assistant in question here had bought tickets at eleven opponent road games. And they, they seem to have a pretty good paper trail as well as some other evidence. So I, I, I guess, is is it going to get him fired? I don't know. It sounds like probation is what is definitely coming down the pike. Uh, it, it probably not at a worse time for them. But I, take- I'm, I'm never – I have not been a big fan. I think Ohio State has had a good couple a – good, a good team a couple of these last years – Going toe to toe with the Georges and the uh, Clemsons and, and 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 the Alabamas, I I don't those teams don't play. I don't. I'm not a big believer in in the quality of the Big Ten across the board. I think until they start playing other teams that are good outside the conference, you don't know. Michigan State is is terrible. Yeah, they spent who knows? I don't know how much it costs to outfit a team, but they spent all that money for those ridiculous blackout uniforms this weekend and lost 49 nothing on national TV. They need to go buy a running back. What's that? They need to go buy a running back or a middle linebacker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and they have the whole mess with what happened with that coach that it seems like, and again, it's early in the um, investigation, but it almost seems like it's heading in the direction of that Trevor Bauer, 
with his problem with with the girlfriend that he lost two years of his life and and 50 plus million bucks um and the big 10 is just a mess you have teams at the bottom half that are losing to or playing in inferior opponents so the, the big game for michigan is going to be michigan ohio state and uh that's not until after thanksgiving so they could probably they both still be undefeated at that point Probably will be. I think the now with the eye test, I I haven't seen. I saw Georgia. I, I was I like with Georgia, but with Brock Bauer out there, tight end. To me, that's their. You know, you use the baseball analogy. Brock Bauer's their out pitch. Um, I mean, they just go to him with Michigan. Th this is the best Michigan team I've seen. They've owned Ohio State the last couple of years. They just don't make mistakes. The the looming penalties, Harbaugh just kind of shrugs them. But I I kind of think he ought to try the Pete Carroll route and. Uh, kind of win this year because it'll take a year or so to, to investigate this and 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 uh it takes the ncaa forever to do this stuff i mean if you think how now if, it, if they did it it's a blatant rule violation you're not supposed to do that in college basketball football you can't live scout i don't know why that's the rule it's silly you should be able to scout um if you want but um you know if it's blatant they're gonna they're gonna come at him and uh he ought to take the pete carroll plan win his national title and move off to to uh to the chargers next year I don't know. But who would you catch? I kind of or Sal, I kind of pushed you to the Michigan thing. Who'd you who'd you catch? Uh, there it was it was uh, a bunch of interesting games. I I don't know what the um what the significance. I don't know if anyone well, obviously the USC actually now that I'm I'm thinking through the games I watched, that was another uh, a bad performance at a key time and they basically played themselves out of the contention because they have um, lost primetime games. They've lost them in a bad way. And I think they've, they're now at the, at the mercy of, of other teams having to lose in the, in the PAC 12. I think you've got Oregon and Washington that are both much better teams. And we talked about this a little bit the week that Caleb Williams made the comment about not going to the pros necessarily, because he can make more money there. And then and they they laid an egg. And then the next week, they he made the comment about if he's picked, he's going to expect to be an owner. And they went out and lost again. Bad look. And then uh, we, you didn't bring this up, but then I saw one of the college football commentators uh, tweeted that he would understand. He no, he didn't say he had to understand. He was recommending that he not Williams not play the rest of the season because it's not worth it, but either to risk injury or to risk performance and make him look bad and in order to preserve his draft status and I'm thinking anybody who picks that guy anyway at number one better be darn sure what they're getting and now if he's not going to play because of this perceived risk then you really should be having thoughts about taking him wow. it's unfortunately the way of the world uh the other great game was Houston and Texas uh, I, now that I'm thinking these two, because I go to a great local place and they have all the games on, so sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. But a lot of also with these teams like that, like Houston almost got Texas, Washington almost got beat by AZ State, yeah, Arizona State, um, North yeah, Carolina always seems to step on the banana peel. They Virginia. lost to Virginia, who has been really not good this this year and even last year. Um, yeah, there were a there were a bunch of good games. Again, I think the most. Uh, interesting ones from a standpoint of what it's going to mean down the road was USC losing to Utah 
And also, you know, Duke losing to Florida State and then Duke's quarterback re-injuring that ankle, yeah, which was a shame because he was really such a dynamic player. And and it looks like Virginia. Uh, I'm sorry, Florida State is in the in the yeah. driver's seat there. Yeah, with Carolina getting beat. Yeah, I did a lot of close games. I I, I was disappointed to see Washington uh, have a close call to Arizona State. It's good that they're fighting back, but. I'll tell you who to watch, and I, I said I think I said it a week or so ago on our show, Alabama. Um, look at the end of the season. I bet you Alabama is going to be in that four. They just keep figuring out ways to win. And Saban's uh, he said he said this is the most fun he's had. It's the, not as good a talent he's normally has, but and the SEC is kind of down uh, a little bit as well. Uh, so I'd, I'd watch them a little bit. I'm, I'm thinking you're going to see a couple of a couple SEC teams in at least one Big Ten, of course, and. Uh, Florida State just won't go away. Uh, they won't go away. <laughs> well, they've watch. been, you know, they've been on this rebuild now for several years, and and this guy Mike Norvell seems to really have, you know, been doing a great job, and 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 now living up to the potential that you know everyone always felt they should have, you know, being with their history and where they are, and they've, like I said, they've withstood some uh, close calls, and they've beaten teams they should beat. Uh, the way they should. I mean, they they really they were lucky to beat BC, and BC hasn't been world beaters. They were lucky to beat Clemson, and Clemson is stunk. And I think uh, you watch how they lose. I I watch them because my oldest boy went there, and I still root for them. But they're they always make I don't know the big mistake at the wrong time, and they have really very questionable play calling in overtime against uh, a North. Uh, uh, just blank. Oh, against Miami, they had a fourth and one, and with, they have some monster running backs. They did a, 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 a tried to do a quarterback sweep like a naked, and they lost three yards. and And they just do things that really make you scratch your head. But um, but if you look at Florida State, I mean, they have Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. So on paper, they should not lose any of those games. Now I know Miami and Florida are always kind of a, a more of a, of a rivalry game, especially the Florida game. But Florida hasn't done anything to make you worry. So if, if Florida State is the team they're supposed to be, they should cruise through this schedule and and, and be one of the four. Yeah. Any Heisman uh, predictions? Well, I mean, everyone was touting Caleb Williams, so I think he's he's out of the mix. Probably, yeah. Um. I, you know what's interesting to me? I have not seen Georgia once this year. Now, I don't know if it's because the schedule has been that they've been on at times I haven't been able to watch because I'm still involved with some high school football stuff. But um, I, I'm, I'm actually not really sure there is a, 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 an obvious even three or four guys at this point. I'm, I'm, I might be missing something, but I'll, I'll give you- I, I don't really get – so I have to tell you, for as much of a football nut as I am, I think the Heisman race is one of the more overblown, underwhelming, overhyped things in, in sports. I really, like, I love the ceremony at the end, but until, like, the season shakes out, I'm much more interested in the teams than any of these individual performances. Yeah, I got J.J. McCarthy's mind, I think, of the Michigan quarterback, because it's a quarterback award, um, without question. But, no, it's uh, turned, definitely turned into that. Well, yeah. we got we to. Oh, you were going to say something. Well, in the college scene, I, I was going to ask. Now, I watched the Tennessee Alabama game. I take that back. Uh, 
And it was like a tale of two halves. Tennessee looked really good the first half. And They're up 13. I, I was impressed with their quarterback in the first half. But Alabama just showed so much uh, focus in the second half, just the way they came back in that game. And uh, I could see your point of them finishing up strong because of who Saban is and the culture that he creates there. Yeah, they're, um, they they snuck by some teams early on. I think they just barely beat South Florida, who you know shouldn't shouldn't even be in the same building as them, but different. Young team, um, but yeah, I, I, I think if, if you're looking, at, I'm, I'm going to go with McCarthy with Michigan. I don't know if you got any. If you watched it close enough, Will, to, to pick a Heisman front runner? No, I, I, I told you guys, I barely engage in football till baseball's over. So I'm usually late to the table uh, with a lot of this. Uh, I did get to watch the Eagles Sunday night, and uh, the Eagles that I was hoping to see this year showed up on Sunday night against Miami. That's for sure. Did you ever run, and, and we'll make sure we got the right Kelsey on this because we don't want to get any uh, negative connotations out there about the phrase, but we saw them run the tush push. Did you ever run that play in high school as a quarterback? No. Uh, I mean, I mean, we ran just quarterback sneaks, but I never had, I never had the weight that he's got behind him, and I didn't have, uh, what is it, 600-pound squat legs to – to, to, to kind of shelter that load that uh, Jalen Hurts does. My gosh, that's uh, it's impressive because, you know, and, you know, the hat's off to Siriano. I mean, those were some ballsy calls when they were up by seven and, and, and he went for it on his own 23-yard line or whatever, you know, in the fourth quarter. Well, you know, it brings up – so you – We've talked about analytics a lot, and you're bringing up this tush push. And I will tell you, there. I think I texted you guys, there was a stretch of games when I was watching those four, you know, uh, multiple TVs, multiple games. There were four different games where there was a fourth and one, and in all four circumstances, the announcers said it with the surety of that it was, the uh, you know, the most obvious thing in the world that analytics say uh, you go for it on fourth and one. Or fourth and short, and in all four of those cases, the teams did not get it, and they all did a variety of different things. The first of all, the one thing that is mind-boggling to me is it's fourth and one, and you you're, you're in a shotgun set. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think in this day and age you should probably start looking for another job if that's what your thought is. And and it happened last night in the NFL game too. It's fourth and one, and you're going into shotgun. The other is, and and I should say, all four of them did not make it. And there was never any discussion following up the comment, well, analytics says to go for it. And there's never any discussion about, well, is it fourth and one every place on the field? Is it fourth and one regardless of the formation you use? I'll tell you what, if you did analytics, fourth and one using the tush push has probably 100% and because it's the smart play. And one one of the other things that's allowed that to work is they never used to allow you to push. And I know certainly in high school, you could not push. Now that they allow it, it's stupid not to do that play. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think the same thing, Sal. Why isn't everybody doing it instead of bitching about it? Um, you watch the other teams and they line up and it's fourth and 
fourth and a yard and a half and they're in a shotgun and I'm going, what kind of play are you running here? Right. With like, one back know. and no, no lead blocker or uh, just because they're all, these guys are all arrogant. I believe these offensive coordinators and they all think they can do anything, anytime. It's just a matter of out executing someone. And that is probably at the root, the truth, but you're out executing someone on something that's a higher level of, uh, of, of, skill than just the basic we're going to push this pile and you're not going to be able to stop us so and, and I, guarantee, I guarantee you the eagles have something up their sleeve where they're going to pull a a spin play because that's you know it looks like an old single wing formation yeah. there's a bunch of things they could do off of that that are really going to screw teams up if they get to it well and and the other thing is we don't uh have a ton of gifted passers where if you're in the shotgun everybody's going well, they might throw, you know, because, you know, right now I watch NFL games and sometimes I cringe at how poorly guys' uh, timing is with the receivers. Uh, you don't see a lot of really good quality passes, um, you know, because the, the quarterbacks are so multifaceted maybe that they don't spend as much time on their timing and and, uh, and their accuracy of their passes. Well, I think that to an extent is true. I think it has to do with there's a certain finite ceiling for your skill to be accurate. And I think uh, counter to your point is last night, if you watch that Viking game, Kirk Cousins put on a clinic and he was unbelievable and unbelievably accurate. And there's a fifth or sixth round pick that couldn't rely on his feet had to rely on his arm and certainly makes the most of it. And it was, yeah. it was a, a fun game to watch last night. I was going, you know, double screen last night with that and the baseball. Yeah. Did you guys catch the kid, uh, speaking of low draft picks, the kid from Chicago, Tyson Baggett, um, Division II quarterback, uh, didn't, didn't get any big-time scholarships out of high school, broke all the West Virginia high school records, no big-time programs offer him. So he went to Shepherd University, a D2 school in his backyard, 17,000 plus yards, uh, broke all the touchdown records nationally, got invited to the senior bowl, didn't get drafted, was getting ready to take a high school teaching job and uh, get crazy on CrossFit. I'm sure you'd love that one, Sal. But yeah. they, he uh, ended up getting invited to Bears camp, long story longer. He was worked his way up to number two in the depth chart, and he started this past week with Justin Fields going down and had a nice weekend, a uh, nice weekend as a quarterback for the Bears. And she goes to show you can go, in, you can go, you can go anywhere as long as you're resilient. You keep moving forward, um, you can you can get a shot, and it makes you wonder what with all these evaluation and combine stuff out there. Here's a kid that's going to be have one of the most important positions in any sport in the best league in the world. He's a starting quarterback now, and you you've got somebody in your your organization this year that kind of bucked the trend a little bit. Will right? Yeah, we have uh, uh, Brenton Doyle is a rookie guy we called up about halfway through the year and uh, went to Shepherd University. Uh, not a high-profile guy from all the big showcases in his life, but uh, physically he's a lot like Jason Worth. Uh, he's an above-average runner. He's a big, strong guy with raw power that can really throw, and he's one of the finalists as uh, for the Gold Glove center fielder in the National League this year. Um, you know, there's there, there's quality players out there everywhere. Um, I think the combines hurt. Uh, kids at the uh, smaller schools that uh, 
don't get looked at. Don't get invited to combines. You know, there was a kid from my hometown that played at Salisbury University that I have a friend that's an agent that was trying to get him into the combines, but he, you know, he had to be invited to University of Delaware, which has like a combine combine with uh, just to see if you can get asked to go to the combine. And it's a bunch of schools in the area. And because he was a division three player, he didn't get invited, but he was a six foot seven, 325 pound guard that started four years at Salisbury and they won a division three national championship. And he was their team captain and he physically he's pretty, pretty talented kid, but couldn't even get invited to the combine. So, um, you know, this kid sounds like a Kurt Warner story coming. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. you know what, too? I, it's a great story, but let's see how things play out over time. You know, it's a, it's a great weekly story, but uh, I, I'll, I'm going to hold off on getting all uh, warm and fuzzy over it. Maybe I'm a curmudgeon, but that's uh, – I. you know, there, remember Clint Longley? He had a good 15-minute career in the NFL yeah. because he led the, the – the, the, Cowboys to a comeback victory. I think it was a Thanksgiving Day game. And yeah, against the Redskins. Yeah, that was the one yeah. game. I think that was the big Hail Mary pass. That was the one game he ever did well in. And and let's also remember it's the Raiders they were playing. The Raiders are a disaster of an organization. Not you know I know Raider fans are awesome. They ha- they love the team and it's to their detriment. But the team stinks. The management stinks. Uh, it's almost like the Giants, you know, the Giants are in this, the New York Giants are the same. We are, I know we're not talking pro here, but uh, that, that could be next week. But um, yeah, I, I don't get too caught up in these one week stories. What I will say, though, is the, the, the lack of depth at the quarterback position is, is amazing, isn't it? It's shocking. Well, the, it's- the, the, the other kid from Cleveland that went to Temple University. They got signed off the scrap heap. He, uh, um, TJ Walker, TJ Walker. Walker. He had a really good USFL league or indoor football I league. I think. And, uh, and then the COVID year hit and, uh, finally he's gotten a little bit of an opportunity with the, with Watson getting hurt in Cleveland. And he's done a pretty nice job there. Yeah, I coached against him in high school. Uh, he okay. was, he went to, he went to Elizabeth High School. Who was in our conference? Yeah, yeah. and uh, that they had an unbelievable team. We lost to them. It was fifty-four zip, and it was the type of thing where they just were so athletic. They had kids that were were not even touched. They they scored. You know, Walker was one of those guys. If he just got to the edge, he was gone. And I, you can't overstate at the time when he was in high school. He was a small player at the high school level. So for him to have been as uh, tenacious and been in the league, you know, since 2020, he was with Carolina. And before he got picked up by Cleveland, I've, I've kind of always followed him for that reason. But he was, you know, on one of those special kind of teams in high school. But uh, it's it's great to see. And that's a case where athleticism can make up for a lot of other deficits if you have just that overall yeah. athleticism. Yeah. Well, what are they doing to that position? I mean, it's arguably, it's, I mean, it's a CEO of sports positions. And we talk about dumbing down of the pitcher-catcher combination. 
uh, they're doing in basketball with the point guards now. And uh, I mean, the quarterback position has not been dumbed down to the point where, look, I mean, how important is that spot that they're spending all that kind of money on it? And you get a guy like Brock Bauer coming in. Um, he's got a roommate still. He still lives with a roommate because he can't afford an apartment in San Francisco. But uh, what, uh, it's got to be a dumbed down situation, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, for me, you know, the the modern offenses go back to almost like the wishbone, you know, where, you know, you ride the first guy, you, you pitch or you run. Um, there's not as much intricacy to the RPO quarterback, you know, uh, reading defenses. It's reading in the moment, I guess, you know, maybe it makes it a little bit different, but I just don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always like the pure passing game, you know, guys, you know, guys like Doug Williams and uh, Montana and, you know, guys that sat back there in the pocket and saw the field and, and could throw the ball down the field and you had, and the game was so much different then too, you know, the, the game was more physical and not as offensive minded and they still would put up numbers that shame the modern quarterbacks for yards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can't touch a receiver now. I mean, yeah. you can grab and um, but yeah, the, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love the quarterback position, the cerebral part of it, but with how technology's taken over and as we talk, coaches kind of dictating the plays, the, I mean, they're, they're calling every movement, they're, yeah. uh, they're joysticking on that. It's a, just like the catcher to me, it's a, a one storied position. I'd love to see it come back, but, uh, well, so, you know, you've got some circumstances where you look at like the Giants the past two weeks have played better with their backup. Now, the 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 one of the reasons you could surmise as the team falls apart when the starter is out is the starter gets 95 percent of the reps during the week. So there's no way that backup is going to be able to handle the things like Will mentioned earlier, the timing that's necessary to be successful as a as, to throw the ball in this league. Is crazy. So if you're not getting those reps in with the offense, and sometimes it's, you know, that's what's going to drive your performance. Now, that being said, Tyrod Taylor comes in and is able to overcome that lack of preparation in in the short term to be successful. Now, let's, I I said it to one of my buddies, don't get crazy. The Giants still only scored two touchdowns in the game, and it was against Washington. So let's not get crazy. But prep for him, too, now. He's a little different package. Right. So we'll see what, what, how that, plays out again he was a successful starter for years but that was a long time ago for for Tyrod Taylor so you know I think it's I, I just don't know the answer to this but my what I always say is it, there's no other endeavor in the, in our society in our civilization where you take one person out of the mix and it has the potentially devastating effects as the quarterback not playing so they don't practice as much I mean the, the training camps are shut down they're not practicing as much during the week so that, that has to do with I think the timing True. Well, that will will had mentioned. Well, well, I want to get you in win, win reality before we head out here because you took a tour. We had Dante on. We've had Dan O'Dowd on before. I uh, haven't gotten Chris on yet, but we will eventually. But you got a first class tour. Tell us about it. What an incredible facility in Austin, uh, in a big giant glass building. Uh, I told Dante and the kids that I talked to there. I said, "This is like working in that movie with Vince Vaughn and the other guy, Google." You know, uh, I walked into there. They have uh, 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 giant rooms with motion sensors and high-speed cameras to capture things. 
and do uh, different hitting evaluations. They must have a thousand desks in there with people that are uh, analyzing uh, or, or always upgrading their captured uh, data to put into their system to make it as lifelike as possible. Um, and, you know, two kitchens, lounges, uh, cubicles with kids working there. Um, uh, you know, Dante has an office where he does his hitting lessons on a big screen TV where he's physically with the kid, you know, going through all the swings and stuff like that. It was it just an impressive very, very impressive place. You know, I texted Dan and just said, my gosh, what a, what an unbelievable facility you've built and company. And, you know, they're, and I think Dante alluded to, they're getting into some other sports, I think maybe golf and uh, tennis and uh, possibly, uh, I heard that they, uh, I know Dan had said that they were uh, talking to somebody about putting together a virtual defensive reading for quarterbacks to see defenses and move different movements uh, that the teams are using so that the quarterbacks can help them to read. Um, uh, I think they, uh, I actually uh, connected Dan with the coach from university of Tennessee basketball who had some ideas that, uh, that they wanted to try some things with virtual reality. So, uh, what a what 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 an unbelievable uh, company that they're building, and uh, it was really really neat for this old fart to go in there and see where Dante gets to go every day and work, and uh, and you know what Dan and his son Christopher have built there, and the people that work there, and just quality people. So, did you get the suggestion box where we put in the Will uh, the Mark Wiley curveball? Uh, no, no, they didn't let me near anything there. I did text Dan and I asked him for the combination to the safe. And he said, Christopher won't give it to him. Ah, <laughs> next time. Well, we, we kept you guys for well over an hour. Sally, now you got to get to a client. Any, anything you want to wrap with here? Anything we didn't cover you want to get out? Uh, no, I think, I think it was great. Um, roundup. And I think we uh, have a good week of looking forward to next week with the World Series starting this weekend. So that'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that and uh, and continuing to follow this college season as it's always interesting. What I will say is I think Utah is the dark horse. They have Oregon this week and can kind of throw that conference in a little bit of a, of a tizzy if they could beat Oregon and then they'll be in the mix to to possibly go into the championship game. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. I do like watching them as well. They, they play good. Love the coach there. Yep, they do. He makes – he doesn't uh, – they get injured. He, he just moves to the next guy, even their quarterback, as we said. Uh, well, any, anything you want to wrap with? No, you know, just uh, I, I think Kevin put it well. This is a fun time of year. You know, the college football and NFL seasons are heating up. We got the kickoff for uh, – you know, basketball, hockey, uh, and then baseball playoffs are the best baseball that we get to watch every year, yeah. uh, the way they, the games played. And, uh, you know, for this kid that grew up and was born in Philadelphia, still a closet Philly fan rooting for a Philly, Texas, my nephew, Jonathan, who we had on 
Uh, Mark and I show gets to have, be part of his team, team's first World Series. Uh, he actually advanced the Phillies, so uh, his work will be put to work if the Phillies win tonight. So um, I'm excited for tonight and uh, moving forward. I'm sure next week we'll have some great conversations. Yeah, see if you can figure out your Sixers down there with that James Harden deal. Oh, that uh, uh, that cancer needs to be cut out, it seems like. I need to turn Maxi loose on that offense. Right? I think he's a, he's a budding star down there. Well, guys, thanks for a great show today. I know we were without our the star of our show, Kevin Kernan, AMBS, uh, wishing well to Mrs. AMBS. I know he's taking care of her today. Episode 325 in the books. Can't believe I'm saying 325. 74 countries, grassroots to MLB front offices. Thanks so much for your support. Make sure you give this show five stars. Write some great comments. Let iHeartRadio know they made the best choice. Listen to it on whatever streaming device you have, but make sure you get it on iHeart too so they know that they chose the right podcast network to join their powerful group of podcasters there. With that, uh, Coaching Kernan, it's a wrap. Please support our guys on Ball 9. Read Kevin's articles. We didn't get to cover them this week, but I'm sure our audience has read them. If not, get to it today. Two great articles again, and we will be with you next week. We'll see you Saturday. Sal, see you Saturday as well. See you guys. Take care. Have a good one. I am one